0: Um, Yeah, so my name is Evan Curry. I, true story, was in a heavy metal band in college. Uh, But PJ, I will disappoint you in the fact that I will not drive out here to be part of your worship (laughs) team. Um, But I can be bought, PJ, so please please let me know. Yeah, so um, my name is Evan. My wife, Amanda, and I are joining you guys today. We left our three little ones at home with grandparents and cousins, and they're having... A blast there, I am sure of it. But I am a church planting resident with Liberty East. And my wife and I uh, are not from this area, which you'll soon begin to catch on to that by my accent. And uh, I am a native of Philadelphia. I do not say, I say weird things, uh, like all my double T's are D sounds. uh, So I say button instead of button. Uh, things of that nature. But I do draw the line at Wooder. I will not say Wooder. Uh, I say Water, which still sounds like a Philadelphian saying W A T E R, but I do not say water. I draw the line there. Um, but we're from Northeast Philadelphia, uh, which you may not be all too familiar with. But Northeast Philadelphia has about a half a million people there right now, and it's fastly and quickly growing, mostly because it's becoming more racially diverse. So uh, the, fa- the white families are actually moving out, which we will classically call white flight, um, and more uh, families of color are moving in, which generally tend to be larger, so Northeast Philadelphia is really booming right now, and uh, one section of Northeast Philadelphia is now the most racially diverse section of the city, so uh, those are all really cool things about Northeast Philadelphia, and I live there, and my wife lives there, so if you want to move there, you know that there are cool people there as well, so. Uh, yeah, and Um, We enjoy being part of the Liberty Network. It's been very welcoming and exciting to us to be part of it, and um, Steve sends his good wishes to you guys and uh, loves you guys, loves Matt. We are very well aware that um, for places like this, uh, you know, we are very well aware that big cities can kind of drive the force of a lot of things in our country, Um, but we are very grateful for Liberty Harrisburg um, and Matt's voice and Matt's opinions, um, and they're Really, really helpful for everything that we do. So, really thank you, thank you Matt, for having me here today. Today we will be in Matthew chapter 11. You kind of heard it, um, already kind of sewn into the fabric of the service today. Uh, so, if you could grab one of those black Bibles, which, you know, has been said, if you don't have one, that's yours. Uh, they're hardcover black Bibles. If you find, like, a softcover black Bible, that's probably somebody else's, but you can keep the black hardcovered ones. Uh, or you can Google... Matthew 11 on your smartphone, uh, and that you should be able to find the passage pretty easily. But we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. If you're following in a Bible, the big numbers, the chapter, the smaller numbers are the verse numbers. So we'll start in Matthew 11:25, And my sermon title is Rest for Our Souls. And we'll see how by being dependent on Jesus, brings rest to our souls, our weary souls. And in today's busy, hurried, stressful world, it's understandable that our souls oftentimes feel cluttered and burdened. But Jesus has something really important to say about this, so please follow along as I read from God's Word. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the, fa- the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for who you are, for what you have done for us in sending your Son to live, die, and be resurrected on our behalf. Lord, may we approach your word with reverence, knowing that we are hearing the words of the God of the universe, who has created all things. But may we also approach it knowing that you desire to know each and every one of us, and you desire to call us your children and your friends. And so may we hold that in mind, Lord. May we hold reverence and relationship together. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And we thank you for all of this because of your son who lives and reigns with the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. When I was a kid, my parents would oftentimes take me and my three brothers On two vacations a year. We would take one during Christmas time, right, the week after Christmas, and we would take one in the summer. And they would load the four of us into our minivan, and we'd head to like Niagara Falls or the Outer Banks. Uh, One time we hit like York, Pennsylvania, sometimes Lancaster, Uh, one time Harrisburg, true story, Uh, and uh, fancy exotic places like that. And we would head off to those places. And so we, as kids, we did everything we could to prepare for these trips, right? We made sure we had all the best things with us. So we would bring our Pringles and our M&Ms and our Walkmans. Later, we graduate to Discmans. Uh, some of you are so young, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was a time where you actually had to put something into a machine to play music. And... We would obviously would bring our Nintendo Game Boys, and we would head off on these trips. And every time we would head out on one of these trips, and I don't, I don't know if it was the same with your family, but for some reason, my dad always, always, always drove. Always. I, in fact, never remember my mom driving whenever my dad was available to do so. It wasn't that my mom was a bad driver, Right? She was actually a very good driver, but for some reason she always let my dad do it. And maybe it says more about my dad, maybe he desired control, we can psychoanalyze my dad, I don't know. Um, but he's a nice guy, and um, he would always drive. But most certainly he would drive when we were on those trips. And there was great comfort in my dad driving. I felt safe, I felt secure, I liked that we... Never, I felt like we would never get in an accident with my dad driving. And I could rest knowing that my dad was in control. Until I turned 16. And I started to drive on my own. See, I was a clueless teenager. Now I know your kids were never like that, or you might be a teenager. I know you're not clueless, but I was a clueless teenager. And I never cared to come to this realization that I was a clueless teenager, right? It's one of those funny things. You're, You're a clueless teenager, but you never care to think that you're a clueless teenager. And maybe you were like me when you were a teenager, but you thought you knew everything. And so no longer did I feel safe when my dad drove. No longer Did I sit in the back seat listening to my sweet contemporary Christian jams playing Pokemon on my Game Boy? I was now the judge over my dad's driving. Every sudden movement, every time he would change lanes without using his turn signal, every time he drove too slow, I was on him like white on rice. I had become so educated, God's gift to the driving public at age 16, (laughs) that I no longer was able to find rest in dependence on my dad's ability to drive safely, but I believed I knew better. And the same is often true with us when it comes to relationship with Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is better suited. He's wiser, and he's a better driver of the minivan of our lives, let's say. But we get to a point in our lives, in our spiritual lives, where we stop believing that he knows best for us, and we begin to believe that we know better. And as we turn to Matthew 11, we see Jesus telling us, you'll never find rest for your souls that way. You'll never find rest for your souls thinking you know better. We see Jesus reminding us that those who believe they know it all are unable to find rest for their souls. But those, those who are little children will find rest because they find rest in the Son of God, Jesus And they put their dependence in him. This passage we read starts with Jesus thanking God that he's hidden things from the wise and revealed them to little children. So let's look again at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus celebrates God's decision to hide truth seen in the words and deeds of Jesus from the educated, the elite, the insiders, all those who should have known. Better. All those who should have known the truth. Jesus is joyous and cel- celebrates that God has hidden it from those people and revealed it to little children. Which is another way the Gospels like to refer to those who put their trust in Jesus, our little children. And these people are the outcasts, the uneducated, the second-class citizens of the world. And the idea of those who believe in Jesus as little children is again seen later in Matthew, in Matthew 21, where it says in Matthew 21, 14, And the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna! To the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? The blind and the lame in that passage are little children. Who God has revealed His truth to. And like little children, they can't help it, but shout it out. We have to remind our kids, use your inside voices. But these people, they can't. They have to shout it out. But those who should see God's truth, that Jesus is the Son of God, the chief priests, and the scribes, these people who know God's Word inside And out, become indignant, and thus the truth of God is hidden from them. And we too are called to be little children. We aren't called to be like little children. You notice that? But we're called to be little children. So, what does it mean to be little children? It means that we put our faith and trust. Fully in Jesus. And while we may not be legalistic, like the chief priests and the scribes, we should be concerned about what Jesus says here. I imagine, just from my few visits here, knowing that like 75% of you are either at Messiah College, or have gone to Messiah College, or work at Messiah College, or know somebody who knows somebody who goes to Messiah College... I know that you guys are all pretty educated. Some of you have master's degrees. And more of you have gone through college. But all of us have been educated probably more than most people in the entire world. According to an article in the USA Today two years ago, the United States is the fifth most educated country in the world behind Israel, Japan, Canada, and Russia, which Russia is number one, surprisingly. While most in the U.S. go to school for 12 years or more, in 2010, the world population aged 15 and over had an average of 7.8 years of schooling. We are more educated than most people in the entire world. And so Jesus' words here should concern us, that the educated, the wise, the understanding. These people are oftentimes the people who miss out on God's truth. These are people who oftentimes miss out on the truth revealed in Jesus. And we can be quick to look down on the Pharisees in the New Testament, but we also are quick to discount what Jesus has done in our lives. We're quick to say, Have, no, no. Jesus can't do that. He might have done it once, but he can't do it again. Rather than be the little children that Jesus speaks of. Little children understand that they are dependent on strength, wisdom, and knowledge of their parents. However, it's often the educated who begin to believe in their own strength, knowledge, and wisdom. My children depend on me to provide them food and shelter. And I throw in water, too, because I'm a pretty good dad, right? (laughs) But they may not always express this dependence like I would like them to. But the fact is, they are dependent on me. A loving father or mother never exploits that dependence, right? But takes joy in providing for their children. And think about this with your kids, right? You don't always... Like, your kids don't always like the way you provide for them, right? You might say, hey, we really need you to eat your green vegetables, right? And we all know how that story ends, right? But you do know what's best for them, whether they want to believe it or not. You know what's best for your children. And Jesus is no different. If we become little children in our dependence on Jesus... He takes joy in providing for us everything that we need. He doesn't take advantage of that. He doesn't take advantage of that. He doesn't take advantage of us. We might not always like the way he chooses to go about it. We might not, not like the way Jesus decides to give us the things that we need. But he does know better than we do. But full dependence on Jesus, if we're honest, it scares us, right? We get to the point where we can no longer rest in the minivan of life with our Walkmans and our Game Boys. And we get to the point where we learn to drive and we think we know everything. And everyone that got us to this point is worthless. Or at least... They're there for us when we can occasionally call on them for help. We are scared that if we acknowledge full dependence on Jesus, it would mean that we also acknowledge that we can't do it ourselves. But Jesus says, these are the type of people I want. The people who say, I can't do it myself. I need you, Jesus. These are the people I want. Not the people who figured it out already. I don't need those people If you want to be part of his followers, he says, I need the people who are little children who know they're dependent on me. As long as these people don't see themselves as little children, I have nothing for them. So the question is, what in your life Are you holding on to that's preventing you from being a little child in the eyes of Jesus? What in my life am I resistant to give to Jesus because I'm not sure that He'll handle it the way I want it to be handled? So, what would get us to a place where we would find rest for our souls? but we will never find it because we believe we know better than Jesus. Faith in Jesus is dependence on Him. If we want to know what God the Father has for us, the truth that God the Father has for us, we can't come to the table believing we can fit the bill. We must come to Him believing there's no way I could pay that debt. So let's pick up again in verse 27. Jesus is speaking still. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, to reveal the Father. Here we see Jesus' connection to God the Father. The truth of God the Father comes to us through the person of Jesus. So verse 27 is Jesus' way of saying, there's just some things that only the Son can tell you about his Father. In Jesus, we can receive knowledge about God the Father because Jesus is the one who holds it and shares it with us. He shares it with anyone He chooses. And we have already seen it is those who acknowledge their dependence on Jesus. Little children are the ones who can truly know the Father. And not only do those who follow Jesus discover the Father, but those who come to Jesus also find the rest they've been looking for, rest for their souls. Verse 28 Come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This dependence this little children dependence on jesus is the place of rest not rest for our bodies per se but rest for our souls now souls might seem like religious jargon to you right it's kind of like a word we throw out every once in a while but we all have this part of us if we're really honest deep inside of us that yearns for rest we're weary and we need a place to rest our souls. Jesus claims that place, the place you're looking for, the place where life has beat you up, who's just, is just knocking you around, the place where you just need relief from being hurried and your life is hectic and chaotic, that place is found in me. That thing you've been searching for your whole life to find, that thing to make you everything you're meant to be, to finally get rest, is found in me. And Jesus used this imagery of yoke and burden, which, you guys are a little bit closer to like farmland than we are in Philadelphia, so you might be familiar with this, and imagery. But let me explain a little bit. The idea of a yoke comes from this idea of, of oxen working in the field. And two oxen were held together by this wooden yoke strapped around their necks. And it would help the farmer plow a field or pull a heavy burden behind them. And Jesus claiming that this yoke and this burden of his are easy and light. We are yoked with Jesus, and therefore the burdens of his commands are easy and light. But if you're skeptical like me, which will be pretty hard to do because I'm pretty skeptical, but if you are skeptical, you might say, yeah, but Jesus, how can a burden be light? How can a yoke be easy? And here, interestingly, we aren't told to free ourselves from a yoke or take off a burden, but we're told to take on these things. right? In our Western, 21st century liberal minds, personal freedom is paramount. right? That's what we're all looking for, we, this personal freedom. Freedom in our finances, freedom from stress, freedom from organized religion or the red tape or everything that we're supposed to do to get us... Certain places, freedom from taxes, whatever, right? That's what we want. We want personal freedom. But for some reason, Jesus claims that yoking ourselves to him is truly freeing. The great cultural prophet Bob Dylan reminded the public in the late 1970s You're going to have to serve somebody. And if we're honest, we're going to have to be yoked to someone or to something. You're going to have to bear someone or something. You might be yoked to addictions, whether they're chemical addictions or maybe sexual addictions. You might be yoked to a toxic friendship or the constant need To control, or the constant need to make sure that you are a better parent than your parents were, you might be yoked to this idea of being perfect. That everyone's perception of you needs to be perfect. See, we don't have to be yoked to Jesus. Jesus gives us the freedom in that. We don't have to be yoked to him. But we're going to be yoked to something. We're going to have to bear something. Whether we want to believe it or not, something or someone yokes us. The yoke guides the oxen when they walk together. But the yoke frustrates the oxen when one tries to exert his or her personal freedom and go its own way and refuses to go the direction of the other. And if we resist Jesus, his burdens won't be freeing. They'll be frustrating. But if we walk step step by step with him, we will experience freedom and rest for our souls. And the rest Jesus offers isn't only relief from stress, but it's also giving, making our souls, making us into everything we are meant to be. We often buy into the cultural lie that if we don't stop moving quickly, we'll get bored. And our pain will catch up to us. So we have to keep moving. And by doing that, we become more and more weary. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all, is it? The rest he promises is one of healing, one of peace, one of joy, one that gives life to the soul. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian during the Nazi regime in the 1900s who later resisted the Nazis, once said this about our passage in Matthew 11. When Holy Scripture speaks of following Jesus, it proclaims that people are free from all human rules, from everything which pressures, burdens, or causes worry and torment of conscience. In following Jesus, people are released from the hard yoke of their own laws to be under the gentle yoke of Jesus Christ. Those who follow Jesus' commandment entirely, who let Jesus' yoke rest on them without resistance, will find the burdens they must bear to be light. In the gentle pressure of this yoke, they will receive the strength to walk the right path without becoming weary. And then he says this, Jesus' commandment is harsh, inhumanly harsh for someone who resists it. Jesus' commandment is gentle and not difficult for someone who willingly accepts it. Dependence on Jesus is what makes us free and gives us rest. But do you see it that way? Do you see Jesus' yoke, attaching ourselves to Jesus and walking in step with him as gentle? Or do we see it as harsh? And some of you are so beat up by life, you you honestly could say, I need somebody to help me carry this. I need somebody to help me carry this burden. And Jesus is offering that to you. Jesus' Jesus' yoke may seem harsh to us as humans. It may seem harsh to expect us to sell all our things and give it to the poor or to turn the other cheek when someone strikes us or forgive those who have done the unforgivable or to die to ourselves and our desires. But Jesus claims if you come to me, if you fully depend on me, I'll give you the rest you've been searching your whole life for. Rest for your soul. And this rest for our souls starts to be a reality in acknowledging that Jesus is who he says he is, the one who reveals the truth of God the Father. And ultimately, Jesus would come to bear a yoke that we could not bear. Jesus would go to a gruesome death on the cross. While we in our sin resisted his yoke, he took the yoke upon himself, the yoke of our sin, and bore the heavy burden of our sin on the cross. And while he was on the cross, he felt the pain of God the Father, the one whose truth he reveals, the one that he knows so well, he felt Him being, himself being abandoned. To the point he shouts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we can experience God's presence. He was beaten for our transgressions. He was stripped of clothing so we could be clothed in righteousness. And he was sleepless and restless so that we could find what we truly need, rest for our souls.